Welcome to the Be Encouraged podcast. And if this is your first time pushing play, I want you to know that you are so welcomed here. I am your host, Jackie Brindle. I am a mom of three, wife, teacher, blogger, speaker, and I do like to run. We all need a little encouragement on the good and not so good days to lift us up and onward. That's my hope for you, that you will be so encouraged and know that with God, nothing is impossible. Hey friend, come on in and welcome to the Be Encouraged podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Brindle, and you guys are in for such a treat today. This is episode number 69, and I have a returning guest on the show. Welcome back to Amy Fiedler. You know, in this conversation, Amy and I, we just dive deep into those relationship questions that sometimes you come across uh, communicating with a person and it's super uncomfortable. What you have to say, you wonder what are they going to think? Because I'm one of those people who might care way too much. No, not might care. I do care way too much about what other people think. And she kind of talks us through processing that and, you know, what does it look like in a, with our friends, our family dynamic, or the people we just meet? You know, what are our boundaries going to be like? Or how should we regulate those emotions that we might be feeling and express them in a way that's healthy? Um, you know, even on social media, we can have that battle of how do we, you know, express um, the fact that we're open and we can agree to disagree in a healthy, um, you know, enlightening conversation in a healthy way. So uh, this one is just full of gems that you'll just pick up along the way. So I definitely encourage you all to grab your pen, paper, pencil, whatever you got going on, or go back and listen to this one when you can take notes, because this one is for sure full of practical advice as much as it is encouraging to all of us. So wherever you are today, I hope you guys are encouraged. Let's go. Hey, Amy, it's so good to have you back on the show since episode number 40, you guys. And if you have not listened to Amy Fiedler on episode 40, you should take the opportunity to do that. Go back and do that after this episode. But welcome, Amy, back to the show. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me back on, Jackie. I'm so excited to be here and have another insightful conversation about all the juicy good stuff that can really change people's lives. Yes. Let's change people's lives. I'm excited. If you can't tell, I'm very enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) And I just can't wait because people, if you've not gotten a chance to know Amy, like I said in the previous episode, or just followed her on Instagram or, or any of her content that she's put out there, why don't you go ahead, Amy, and take the stage and tell us a little bit, a recap of who you are and what you're all about. Absolutely. So I am certified as a trauma support specialist, certified as a holistic life coach, as a Reiki master practitioner, and I am a three-time published author. My work is with men, women, and children. I help provide healthy emotional coping tools and support individuals in moving through their uncomfortable emotions to learn how to regulate themselves, communicate their needs and wants, and really establish boundaries so they can feel more respected, heard, loved, and validated in their life. 
Mm, That's so good. All of it. I can't wait to just peel back the onion and dig deep with you into all of those things. I mean, I don't know. I think as a person, we all get those, like you said something there, uncomfortable. Like Mm. we can all come across, come across uncomfortable situations, no matter who we are. Like no one's perfect. We're all going to come, come up across like, I don't know, a, a barrier, shall I say that um, it's hard to break through and figure out what is the healthiest posture I can take in my response and what I do. And I got to be honest, I don't always take that route. And then I have to learn the hard way, you know? I don't think you're alone there, Jackie. I mean, I honestly, first of all, I'd be out of business if the, if you were <laughs> alone there. But I, I too, right? Like I could teach this, but I'm also a flawed human who has her struggles and can stumble. Um, and, and, you know, we learn from our mistakes and that's kind of the exciting part of life or, or so I think, I know, you know, sometimes we have big mistakes that we fall on our face and we don't want to get back up. But if you get back up and you can really reframe that experience, you learn a lot about yourself and others. No, I love that. It's, you know, right now I'm coaching uh, youth basketball and I feel like basketball is just on my mind, but I, I kind of feel like it, there's so many different things that parallel to life. And in knowing even basketball, I feel like there's a lot of things like you can know the fundamentals, mm. but it's up to the person who has the ball, who is going to see the whole court and see what are you going to do under the pressure of defense, breathing down your neck? What are you going to do when, when it comes to making the next play? And in life, I think... I don't confrontation is that for me. If it gets in my face and I can't see the whole court or the whole situation, I might overthink it. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to sometimes like what would be my next move if the heat's on. And maybe someone here has feels like that confrontation has got them all stirred up. And I don't know. We all face that throughout the day to day. You know, emotions can make us feel really high or really low. So how do we how do we maneuver through that, I guess? Well, I think here's here's the thing, right? Like if if you know you're somebody who hates conflict, like I hate conflict, right? Yeah. So when it happens, my default is immediately to self-protect. I'm like, oh my God, I did something wrong. I start to self-blame and then I get panicky and anxious and paranoid. And I'm like, how do I fix it? How do I fix it? Because I just am uncomfortable with the way it's making me feel. And I think that's important for everybody to like recognize, right? It's like, sometimes it's not so much the conflict itself that's making us uncomfortable. It's the emotions it stirs up within that we're uncomfortable with that then we're reacting to. And then we just like blame the entire experience. So I I think the first step for anyone in dealing with any type of conflict and uncomfortable emotion is to first pay attention and recognize how do you react to it, right? Like you heard me just kind of riddle off, like I hate it and this is what happens to me and this is where I take it. If you have that knowledge, then you've already put yourself in more control than you were. And then from there, it's kind of like, okay, if I know I hate conflict and I know I'm immediately going to take accountability for things that maybe don't belong to me or panic and try to fix the problem that maybe is not mine to fix, then that's where my work is. I can't do that. I can't default there anymore. So what can I do to deter myself from doing that? Well, maybe I take a pause. 
maybe I take some space and we return and we can communicate with each other when our emotions are way more balanced and regulated. So knowing yourself is what is going to lead to that next step of like, what's going to be the best move for you as an individual when you're facing that conflict? Yeah, no, I think there's so many good things. Like sometimes we can overthink the play, like simply care too much and go inward too much. Whereas I love that you kind of just, it almost levels the playing field if we remember, like give ourselves a little bit of grace. And when we self-protect, like, like kind of assess the situation a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, I mean, I, listen, I played basketball in elementary school, so I'm not that knowledgeable of it. I also got injured way too many times to like have a say in, in this game, <laughs> but I did play sports, right? Like I did play softball. I did play volleyball. So I know sports and I know, you know, plays and like volleyball, for instance, right? Like when the ball's coming over, you don't necessarily know who's going to hit it. You don't necessarily know where it's going to go or what's going to happen after you hit it. You might hit it on the wrong part of your arm and then it's not going to go back over the net and somebody else might have to step in and like help it over, right? We don't know how someone else is going to respond to us in the midst of conflict. And I think that's what a lot of people fear is like, okay, here's something that we need to face right now or something happened and we're both reacting to it. And if I take the next step that I know is right for me, I'm scared of how that might, that other person might respond or react to me. I'm scared of what they might do. And that's where like, when you take it back to understanding yourself, understanding what you value, understanding what you need and what you want in situations. Like I know what I need when I'm trying to navigate um, a conflict with my boyfriend. I know I need to be spoken to a certain way. I know that if I get a little too anxious, I need to pause and I need him to hug me. And he's willing to do that and he's willing to support me. I know those things about myself. And whether I'm dealing with a stranger or a family member or a friend, I know what I need in those moments and I'm able to communicate it. So it almost eliminates that need to please and appease or fear the reaction coming at me. Because if I'm clear on my boundaries and I'm clear on my wants and needs, I can just set them and uphold them on my end. And then I'm safe and then I'm protected. And then I'm doing what is right for me to stay in control in that situation. Yeah, I love that. So tell me how does somebody because you're saying we need to know what we need and what we value Mm -hmm. so what is something that somebody could do as they're thinking like I don't know maybe they're thinking right now like I don't know exactly what that is defined for me when I come up against conflict or uncomfortable situations you know how do we recognize the need and the what we value and then how do we communicate it like what we need and what we value towards sure. that person. Um, I mean, it could be a stranger. It could be somebody who's, you know, you're just acquainted with. And how do you um, confront them in a way that's respectful and healthy, still keeping what you value and expressing what you need, um, you know, in that manner? Yeah. Great question. And everybody asks me the same. <laughs> <laughs> same question. <laughs> um so, so first, like, let's just address the elephant in the room. Your values are going to stay consistent regardless of who you're in front of. 
But what you need or want from that situation is probably going to change whether you're in front of, let's say, your husband versus a stranger, right? Yeah. Like your desire to move through something might be much greater with your husband versus the random stranger on social media that said something mean to you and you don't have any type of relationship with them. Fair. But your values are consistent wherever you go. And that's really important. So let's start there. In order to determine what you value, you got to determine what you don't like. That's where I begin. I find that to be the easiest way to go about it. Like a, a great way, a great example I always give is like, I do not like when people raise their voice and yell at me when they're angry. I do not like the yelling. I don't like being name called. I value somebody who's capable of communicating calmly even in the midst of conflict. Mm. Now, clearly that weeds out a whole lot of people, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But, but that's, that's the case. And I know why I value it. I value it because I grew up in a house with a lot of screaming and yelling as a child. It puts me into a state like my nervous system gets activated and I get very nervous. I start to shake and I shut down. And so it's just like not healthy for me. Right. So where everybody can kind of start with this process is if you reflect on any negative experience you've had, and I usually start with anything recent because it's easiest to access, look at what you didn't like. How didn't you like being treated? How didn't you like being spoken to? And what would you have preferred and why? You know, I prefer somebody who can communicate calmly because it keeps me regulated and it keeps me in a place where I can actually hear what you're saying and receive that information and then be capable of communicating and moving through it. So that's a way to determine your values. I value healthy, supportive, calm communication and conflict. I also value people who are able to hold themselves accountable. I do not like when I'm in front of somebody and there's conflict and they blame, 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 blame. And they can never reel it back in and acknowledge maybe they participated in that problem somehow. Yes. So that's where the values begin. And then when we move into what we need or want, it kind of just snowballs off of that. Because if I know that I value somebody who can communicate with me calmly, then clearly that's going to stick whether you are close and a friend of mine in my family or a stranger on the internet. So what I do to uphold this boundary based on the person I'm standing in front of is really strictly off of how do I want that relationship to look moving forward? Mm -hmm. If, if a stranger on the internet and like, you know, I, I think, I think anyone who has like an online presence encounters this to some degree, you get, yeah. Yeah. you get some backlash. Um, so, you know, I had to determine, okay, what kind of comments might I read that feel like they're attacking me, but, you know, maybe they're curious and they're open and they just disagree with me versus somebody who's like outright attacking my character or putting me down and they are absolutely not open to a conversation. Yeah. That's where my boundary exists. My boundary is if somebody sounds or communicates in a way where they're open to a conversation, I don't, you can disagree with me. I'm happy to have a conversation about it. 
we can then land on, on, you know, we agree to disagree, but at least you were open to my perspective versus somebody who's not open is going to come at me very differently. And in that case, I'm just deleting the comment. And then I'm probably restricting your account because I'm not going to block you. You clearly need my services. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm not, I'm not insecure to the degree I need to like wipe you off completely, but I'll restrict like Instagram has this lovely feature of restricting accounts where basically now they can continue to follow me and comment, but nobody else is going to see it, but me and them. Yeah, I love it because, you know, I think it, in anything like a friendship or somebody online, you know, it's asking yourself, when do you draw the line or mm-hmm. either, either like do you dress it or let it go? Yeah. And I think in those people, like I love that you said, like if they want to keep an open mind, you can go there and address it. Mm-hmm. But if they're not willing, if they've already made up their mind as they're responding to you, you know to let it go. You yeah. know that there's no way that it's going to, you know, shift or change their mind. And I think that's something even even with, you know, friendships, um, you know, if confrontation happens over something silly, you know, there's times I know I've had to ask myself like, hey, and the tough question is, do I need to let them go? And sometimes that's really, really hard. Like, man, maybe that was a friendship for only a season. Mm-hmm. And maybe that I was only meant to learn from them or be with them for such a season. I'm such a loyal person. So that hurts so much when a friend I see like kind of, you know, drift away. And I realize I'm the one who's always kind of reaching out. And I'm like, you know what? I wonder if it really is just meant, I'm meant to let it go. You know, I'm not meant to chase down the, that, that lane, you know, I love that you mentioned that because I was going to comment next on on that particular example of friendship, because I've gotten numerous questions about, you know, when am I overgiving or when am I doing too much? And when do I know it's like a lopsided relationship? And I need to just kind of like, as you said, let it go. And I, I think that line is obviously different for everyone. And I think that's really the work for people is to decide when is enough enough for you, right? Like, what are you open to? And when has it become really obvious to you that maybe this is not going in the direction that you want it to go or it's no longer aligned? And for me, like, I've had to let friendships go too. And, and just like you, super loyal and I'm there until the end unless you know, there's little effort coming in my direction, or there's an actual like real problem that cannot be worked through. But, you know, it sometimes takes me something really obvious, like I got, I got COVID, and paid attention when I shared with people like who stepped up. And like, I don't need you to check on me every day. But maybe if you reach out, and just check in a week later and say, Hey, how are you feeling? Yeah. That's enough for me. I know people are married and have kids and responsibilities and I'm busy as well. But if you knew I was sick and you fell off the planet and yeah, and like literally didn't even care about my health or well-being, that's pretty obvious to me at that point that like, okay, you're not like for something so obvious as being sick, you couldn't even ask if I was okay. You couldn't give me the bare minimum. Yeah. And then it's time to let it go. Yeah. 
I, I agree. I struggle with that. And you're right. Sometimes it comes up to a head where it does become obvious. And it, you know what? I think sometimes because like you said, you're loyal and, you know, um, if they were to need me like the next week, I probably jump too. But at the same time, I'm, you have to assess it. Like, but why? Am mm-hmm. I just trying to please them? Is there, is there something that will be beneficial to continue? Um, you know, that relationship, was it just a blip? You know, was yeah. it something that you can work through or you can voice and you can say, hey, I thought we were friends. It kind of, I just want to give you a heads up. Like I felt that strange, you know, you didn't reach out and, you know, I felt like I would do the same. Like there's a, a time and a place for that. But I think, you know, you know, when that, that friendship has fizzled. And I think there's that quote, what does it say? It's like friends for a reason, friends for a season, friends forever, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there's something to it. Like, I just think there are. I I think so too. I think you enter friendships. Like I've had friendships that I reflect on now and I'm like, wow, you've been in my life for quite some time. But like, I was in a very different place when that friendship started. And now I'm seeing that maybe like we don't have that much in common or maybe I've just like grown in a different direction and, and maybe I entered that friendship at a stage in my life where I was not sure which direction I was growing in and that person was there and they were fun to be around and they were supportive at that time. And then maybe my version of support changed, right? Like, so I think, you know, we don't always have to, I think a common thing I see with a lot of people is we make things so black and white. Mm-hmm. And I don't, there's, it, there's gray, gray exists in everything. And so I think it's okay. It's really safe to acknowledge with yourself that like, maybe I've just outgrown this, you know, <laughs> and maybe that was, as you say, a season of my life. And maybe that season lasted all of 10 years, but now, now it's a new season and it's time for different individuals or, you know, like a lot of the people that come to work with me are working on themselves. So they start to learn what is, what does support sound like or look like versus a lack of support. And then they'll ask me questions like, Amy, I was so upset and I called my friend and she told me how stupid I was. And they're like, that didn't make me feel good. And I said, well, cause that's not a supportive statement. And they're like, oh. And so when they have that clarity, it, it really does change a relationship dynamic or, or a friendship. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think too, I, I know I struggle with, you know, if when others let me down, like I, I could feel the same, maybe coming from your end too. Like our feelings get hurt. We just care so much. And I think mm. why, like, I mean, not like why I care so much. I just think I over care. And sometimes my husband's like, Jackie, you don't need to care that much about it. Like, let it go. Oh, no. And- I get the same feedback over here. Like, yes. f- f- my, f- my boyfriend will literally be like, Amy, you're talking in circles about something that you clearly need to just let go of. And I'm like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cause I feel like I, sometimes if I keep talking about it, like, or keep mentioning it, I'm like, I'm fine. It's fine. He's like, no, you keep like trying to put a, you know, a square peg into a circle hole and you're, it's not going to work out. Like, let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, but I think what it is, is in those moments is you're really trying to process and reconcile like, Yes. You know, did I do something 
And I think that's where a lot of people default to is like, did I do something to cause this? Did I do something or could I have done more? And then once you move through that and you get some clarity there, then it becomes this thing of like, what was wrong with me that I allowed this or I tolerated this? And what's attached to that often is a lot of different emotions, anything from like anger at yourself to frustration to even like kind of a grieving process of sorts when, you know, you realize this relationship or friendship or even a family relationship at times has changed and you have to grieve that loss and, and not change and, and then move forward from it. Oh, that's so hard. The family member one, like that, Mm -hmm. like pinpoints the heart, like you just don't want to let go of what you knew that person was or was to you growing up or whatever it might've been. And then to to reconcile and to reframe, like, okay, this is my new kind of friendship with them. I have to like, you know, you have to kind of reframe it, I guess, in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You do. You have to reframe it. And you also have to come to terms with the fact that like, maybe your expectation of this person or, you know, the desire to have a certain type of dynamic with them is not just, it's not going to be what you wanted it to be because this person is maybe incapable or maybe they're unwilling or maybe they're struggling with something and they're not at a place where they can be what you need them to be. And, and that's the, that's that tough pill that a lot of people have to swallow. Like, I, I mean, I just today in, in the client conversations I was having, I've had plenty of, of individuals like, with a sister relationship or a mother daughter dynamic, having to come to terms with the reality that like mom is just not going to be able to be that emotional support that you've always wanted her to be, or, you know, your sister and you are not going to be as close as maybe you wanted to be with them because you're realizing the more you grow that they're just not meeting those needs anymore, or they're not aligned with the values and the standards that you uphold with your friendships or your other relationships in life. And you can't keep giving them a pass because you've got the label of family on it. Wow. Preach girl. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's all so good. It's so relatable in any type of situation. You know, you can't just keep giving somebody who's worked over on your heart so many times. Um, that past, like you said, and you're right. And it does take some time to step back and, and maybe even grieve a little bit of what once was, but also take a stand on like, okay, it's going in a different direction. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are so have you been affected somehow, like by somebody who's deeply disappointed you in some way? And how have you, I guess, regulated your responses and your emotions and boundaries to be make it beneficial for you? Absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, so many different examples, whether it was like friend related or, or even family related. Um, I can't, I can't specify just one that maybe stands out. But when I've been in a situation where I've been deeply disappointed, I guess a good example would be, you know, having to come to terms with that relationship with my mom being different than what I maybe needed and wanted it to be for so long. And that's a disappointing thing to, to reconcile with yourself is, you know, I've really tried so many times to like communicate to my mom what I'm needing or wanting. 
and just constantly getting the opposite type of support that I need and really banging my head against a wall a hundred times over. Like maybe if I communicate it this way, or maybe if I like dumb it down a little this way, or maybe if I am more patient over here, she'll change. And that's really tormenting for a human being to, to constantly need something and think they can make that person become what they want them to become. And, and so when you reach the place where you're like, Oh my God, like it's not, it's not that my mom doesn't want to, she does. She's just not equipped to, she's not capable of being somebody who can be comforting and reassuring in my times of need. And, and just for context, like my mom and I have, I love my mom. We have a great relationship now, but it, it's, it's a hard one. It's a very difficult one and I'm open about it. And she's, she's had a hard childhood that she's never come to terms with. And so when I get upset by something from a young age and I turn to my mom, my mom is not capable of being soothing or comforting consistently in my times of need. Instead, she escalates and Mm -hmm. she either like yells at you or she breaks down and she cries with you. And you're like, Oh, this is making it worse. Yeah, I'm backbone. I hear you. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I two two weak trees cannot support each other. Like yeah. I need one solid one. And and I, you know, she's my mom. So like any time throughout many, many years, I'd I'd need something. You just want mom and you'd call mom. And then every time, like I said, banging my head against the wall, like I'm getting the same thing over and over, and I'm just not accepting it. And so, you know, through all of that and having to kind of like feel all those emotions and that pain and that grief and that disappointment, then I had to like sit back and go, okay, like what has she shown me she is capable of? Mm. And how do I change my expectations of this relationship, grieve the fact that she can't meet certain needs that I expect her as a mom to meet? And develop now and cultivate a new type of dynamic with her that is going to work for what she's equipped to do and what is of value to me. And, you know, that, that's, it's hard work. It's hard work for anyone when it comes to emotions. But you, you, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I have to accept this. And once you accept the situation and your emotional state, whether it's disappointment or any other emotion, then you've just given yourself validation and now the permission to go and get some clarity around, here are my next steps. Wow. Yes. Yes to all of that. I mean, I think also too, it takes a level of like humility and saying, you know, I think sometimes... I don't know, just speaking about my relationship with my parents, sometimes I can be prideful in the fact like, why aren't they just doing what I just expect them to do? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know I wouldn't do that. But then again, my kids say that about me. Like, I'll never do that with my mom. (laughs) You You know, so I think there is that level of just humbling myself too and going, I don't, I know that they came from this kind of upbringing and, and trying to put the pieces together. At least, at least I know for me, it's taking a look at what, you're right. Like flipping that script and being grateful for the things that they can give you and can support you in. And I think with any kind of relationship, we can look at the bright side, but also not take it as enabling. 
um, like enabling them in a sense that, you know, we allow them to um, kind of keep us banging our head up against the wall. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a really good point. I was giving this example to a client earlier today when I was explaining, you know, like, I, I would always go and, and still do visit my parents. I try to get there at least once a week. And since I could remember as a young kid, when you walked in the house, like my, my, when we walked into like my grandma's house, let's say like my grandma came to the door and like greeted you, she like gave you a big hug and a kiss. And like, it was like the respectful, polite thing that, we were like raised off of and and the same went for like if people visit our house you went and you greeted them and so as I got older and I would go to visit my parents I'd walk in and like my dad was in the recliner watching tv and my mom would like be in the kitchen and she'd say hi and out of habit she'd go go say hello to your father and I'd be like what wait what no that's not how you raised us like he can't get off his chair and like come greet me and she's like just just go say hi to him. And I used to enable it. I used to go to him and say hello and sit down and he would like be staring at the TV and like not pause it, not turn it off to talk to me. And so I got older and realized that really hurts me. And then, you know, I, I then started to have other like examples of like going to my boyfriend's family's house and like they shut the TV off completely and they sit down at the table with us and they always greet us with a hug and a kiss. And I'm like, huh, huh, this is weird, but this is really nice. Like, this is what I've always wanted. And so I got to a place where I'd go to my parents' house and my mom was like, go say hello to your father. I go, no, no, I'm the guest in your house. He can come say hello to me. Mm -hmm. And I'd sit down and I'd talk to her and it would hurt me, but I'd go through and then I'd get ready to leave and I'd tell her and she goes, okay, go let your father know you're leaving. And I'm like, no. I'm not enabling this behavior. And I think we also have to realize that, right? Is like when we enter environments, whether it is a home environment, whether it's a work environment, whether it's school, you know, like this happens with young kids and something hurts you and you do it and you do it anyway, right? You do what you're being told or you do what you're being encouraged to do and it hurts you then that's something that you don't want to continue to do. And sometimes we keep doing it because we think we have to or we feel like we're obligated to or somebody is in charge of us and they're dictating what we need to do, like a teacher or whatever. But if it hurts, it needs a boundary. And it's, and it's indicating to you if it hurts, this is not safe or supportive for you to continue to engage in. And once you kind of establish that boundary, then you know, you're going to feel much more respected and supported. And, and truly, at the end of the day, it becomes the other person's loss that they're not going to, you know, step up and be capable of meeting you where you need them to meet you at. Mm, yeah, no, I love that. You know, I think too, like you were saying, um, just to piggyback off of what you're saying anyway, is just taking the high road too, just having that level of empathy for that person. But also, you can, you can clearly tell, Amy, that when you're saying, no, I'm not going to, it's 
I, I almost am what I, I want to know like what I would say if I talked to my mother like that, <laughs> like, yeah. but she'd say back to me, like, what do you mean? You know, but at the same time, like having those uncomfortable conversations, we just got to do it, you know, like there has to be, you have to have a level of empathy for the other person and understand, you know, this is what's been done, but this is how I'm feeling. And quite honestly, I'm sure if we frame it to anybody, like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Um, just want you to keep an open mind. This is what I have going on. This is what I'm thinking every time you say this to me. Um, who knows what kind of a bridge you could be making um, instead of that divide that keeps happening. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You you have to, I mean, you said an important thing and that's you have to have the uncomfortable conversations. And that doesn't always mean the other person is going to receive it or adjust, but you don't know unless you're unless you go and have that conversation. And there's a way, and I think this is where a lot it deters a lot of people. They think that speaking up for themselves has to sound angry, and it doesn't. Like I, I think, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I, I've I've done a lot of practice at this, and I think I'm really kind even when I'm being firm with people because I am so sensitive to conflict and anger coming at me that it's almost like I'm extremely mindful of what I'm saying in moments where I might feel like I'm getting heated. And I think all you have to do in these moments is express yourself from that I perspective. And I think we talked a little bit about that on the uh, first episode I did with you, which like when you speak from the I perspective, it removes blame. And it, and then, you know, the goal of this is like, I don't want to put you on the defensive. I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I have to make myself comfortable in this situation. So if I say, you know, I don't feel respected that I have to chase my father down in the house just to get a hello, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean my mother and father are going to adjust their behavior. They truly do not mean harm by their behavior. That's just the way they are. And that's the way they're always going to be. And they don't want to change sometimes. So I'm going to say it because I don't want an elephant in the room when I start to adjust my behavior. And I want to give you a heads up that like, I'm not cool with you constantly encouraging me to do something that makes me uncomfortable. But if you own it, and I, and that's a huge takeaway. If you own your emotions and you own your needs and you own what you want and you speak it from that eye perspective, then I don't like to put a percentage on it, but I'm going to say about 95% of the time, it's going to be received a lot better than if you're like, you're making me uncomfortable or you're hurting my feelings. Yeah. And I feel like you're doing something really important here is you're talking to someone in love. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're talking at somebody, that's disrespectful. But when you're talking to somebody with respect and that level of respect, when you are talking about the elephant in the room, that can be so bothering you. And it goes across anything, like even in the workspace, like to talk in love. And I feel like just a person of faith and just taking, um, just taking that stance, it, you know, it says in first Corinthians 16, 13 to be on guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong and do everything with love. And I feel like God is wants me and has called me to make sure that I'm doing things in love, like treat others how you want to be treated. It's the golden rule. Mm. And, um, 
And you think when we're standing firm in that and, and asking God, like, Hey, am I saying this in love? Like even give yourself a heart check. Like I know I've had to do that several times to myself. Like, is it a pride thing? Is it just, cause I want to be right here or yeah. is it like a thing? Like, am I really saying this in love with good intentions? And I got to also think like, how is that, that play going to play out? Like if I can sit back and see if I'm passing the ball this direction, it's going to go that direction. Is it going to have an overall outcome where everybody's going to win on that? Or is it going to be something that immediately the defense comes up and it's blocked and it's not going to go anywhere? And what was the point of that? Yeah. Is is this conversation and are these words for the greater good of everybody involved here? Or is it a selfish, egotistical approach to get my way or control the situation or manipulate the situation to feel better? Like I think I think a lot of people need to recognize that a lot of our behaviors that might be unhealthy do come from a need to be validated or be heard or be seen. So, you know, it's we're all very quick at times to place labels on things and and want to attack people who hurt us. When you and I loved how you said it, when you communicate with love, right? Are you approaching it with love? Are you speak is that how you said it? speaking with love? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, I love that so much, though, because that's the truth. Like, that's the best way to put it, because a lot of people do not do that. They they are not mindful. They don't regulate themselves. They don't take that pause and and speak with intention. They don't look at, as you said, how is this play going to affect everybody else? Right. Like, what is the trajectory of this going to be? What is the ripple effect of this? Like, I did a podcast recently on my own and it was literally called you can't unsay it and you can't unhear it. Mm. And I live by that rule. Like I, I was a mean little girl as a child cause I was angry and not in the best environment. And, and that anger came out in very horrible ways. And, and so I didn't like how I was spoken to at home but I didn't like what it made me become and it affected my confidence and it affected my mental health and it affected a lot of things. And so as somebody who's done a lot of work to move past that part of my life, I try to live and embody that by speaking from a place where I know even if I'm upset, I'm not going to say something that you can't unhear that's going to harm you, that's going to harm your confidence or harm or fracture the relationship I have with you. Like Mm. I can own my emotions and I can address an issue without calling you names, without saying mean things, without accusing you, without bringing up old baggage. Like I can address an issue and be loving about it. Even if I'm being firm and saying like, this cannot happen in the future because it's harmful to me. Yeah. And I almost wonder too, what do you want the other person? Like, not necessarily would you care so much what they think, but how would they be perceiving what you're saying? And it was so interesting. I was just reading uh, Paul David's trip, um, his book about, I think it's like 14 gospel things of parenting. I don't know, points of view. Butcher that. But that is like, a. let me just tell you, if you're looking for a parenting book or anything like that is so good. And the one thing he was talking about was basically like grace. And he's like, what do you think you want your kids to say? Like if you were to say, if you were to ask them, are you tender hearted? 
Mm. Would they say that you're tenderhearted? What would they say? And your responses when you're upset or when you're doing this, like, of course, we're all escalating. We say crazy things. But for the most part, like 90% of the time, would they say that you respond tenderhearted? And that was such a heart check for me. I had to really dig deep and go, wow, maybe I'm not tenderhearted the way I approach situations because I so want it my way in certain times because as parents, we do. Yeah. But am I allowing to give her the autonomy or my children, the autonomy to be independent and make that decision for themselves? Am I trusting that they will? And am I doing it tenderheartedly? And I don't know. I thought that was just a good way of thinking about our responses. Like you were saying, regulating our responses is just that word tenderhearted really got me. And I thought, well, if that's even about my kids, are they going to respond and say that? What about my students? Would they say that? What about my husband or whoever I interact with? You know, um, I think it's just really just checking ourselves. Are we doing it in love? Are we saying things with good intentions? And sometimes you're, you said it earlier, like we need to pause and think about that. And maybe that will help regulate it. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, pausing totally helps to regulate us at times. But, but also like, you know, sometimes regulation can happen in the moment, in real time by just like, being really present and being really mindful. And I'm not going to say that's necessarily the easiest way to regulate yourself, but because it does take practice. But if you can get yourself to a place where, you know, you are in control of your emotions and you know your boundaries. And I think that's kind of like a big game changer here is that for me, as somebody who struggled regulating her emotions when I was young, I have learned that when you know what boundaries you need to set in any situation, like I just, I know my values and I know what I need and want in any situation. So regardless of what you're saying or doing, those things don't change for me. Mm -hmm. And so like, I know if I'm feeling anxious, it's because I feel out of control emotionally And I know that, you know, I'm going to have to find a way to feel in control of that situation. But in the meantime, based on what you're saying, I can set a boundary that will allow me to feel safe and allow me to feel supported and respected. And then I can go and pause and maybe grab my journal and reflect on the emotions it stirred up and then revisit the conversation in the future. But yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm just going to say, like, I love that you said journaling because sometimes we do have to get it out. I mean, it's got to come out in some way, whether it's in, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the car, like on your drive to work, like you just vent all out to God, like whoever, like whatever. But it needs to be, like you said, in a supportive, safe place. And if journaling's the way for you to get out those emotions, to really reflect and then take a pause, look at the look at the play again and see how that's going to go <laughs> and reframe it. I mean, you you nailed it, I think. And really, like you said, um, I want you all to know today that you're listening, like you are valued and your needs should be validated. And I think be, be courageous. It's take practice. It's going to take practice. Amy said it's practice. Mm-hmm. And I think you can improve with practice, like anything you work at, anything that you value. Um, if you practice it, you'll get better at it. And that's all we can do. That's all we can ask for is that we're better than we are the day before or the next moment. So uh, give yourself grace for those moments that, man, you flopped it and what, okay, <laughs> wipe the board, you know, <laughs> new, new play. Um, but I think everyone goes through that and you should know that you're not alone. And, and if you need really great support, I mean, 
Amy, like somebody get in touch with, um, you know, we'll put her information there. If you really, this is something you want to dive in further. I mean, I think all of her stuff that she just said, I can't even, that's why she's got three books. She just like <laughs> amazing at all of this, you know, emotions and talking things out because we need someone like her. And, um, and so, and you're so valued, Amy. So thank you for coming on here and sharing all that, you know, to help us, you know, oh. work through some really tough just things. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I mean, what a praise that I just got from you. I, this is so, it's so appreciative and, and it's, it's humbling to hear. And, you know, I, I think that you're right. It's really important that anyone listening knows that they are not alone. And they deserve to feel good in their relationships. They deserve to feel valued. They deserve to feel supported. They deserve to feel seen and heard. And that is something that should be really non-negotiable in, in any interaction you have. You want to feel loved. And how that looks might be slightly different per person, but you deserve that love. Oh, so good. Thank you so much, Amy, for your words of wisdom today. I know somebody will be super blessed and so excited to even go back to just listen to our last episode on episode number 40 or even listen to your own podcast. So thank you again for coming on here and sharing all your encouraging, inspiring words. So great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Hey, stop right there. Let's just unpack that for a second. Am I right? Everything she said was so powerful, impactful, and intentional. And I really want everyone here, if you need to go back and re-list this, go back and re-listen to it. If you need to send it to your friends, go send it to your friends. I mean, this is an episode I think is so relatable on so many different levels, from friendships to caring too much, from letting go certain things that we need to let go of, and how to face those uncomfortable situations. If you want to learn more about Amy Fiedler and where to find her, go ahead and check out the links in the show notes. And don't forget, you guys, to write a raving review on Apple Podcasts because the more reviews we get, the more people get to be encouraged just like you. All right, everybody. I hope you had a great week and onward. <laughs>